This episode is brought to you by Skinny Pop Popcorn. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Oh, so light and crunchy. Skinny Pop Original Popcorn is the snack you've been searching for. Made with just three simple ingredients, popcorn kernels, sunflower oil, and salt. Snacking never felt or tasted so good. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Give yourself permission to snack and pick up Skinny Pop Original Popcorn today. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com MBO. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This podcast is sponsored by Regatta Outdoors. It's a glorious spring day and you're heading out on a walk. What do you bring with you? A paper map? Plenty of snacks? Well, of course they're important, but any seasoned hiker will tell you that footwear is the first thing to consider. Whether you prefer relaxed rambles or challenging summits, comfortable and reliable shoes are essential. Regatta has waterproof and breathable footwear for the whole family, for every outdoor occasion. Discover the range in stores nationwide and at regatta.com. It's early October. Proper autumnal day, like a normal autumnal day. Overcast, a little bit rainy. And yeah, leaden skies, not totally just drab grey clouds. There's a bit of definition and it's sort of a paler, paler sort of glow where the sun ought to be. So it's not it's not a total not a total write-off. But I'm out here in the Herefordshire countryside. I've driven about an hour from home because I wanted to come and see a hill fort that on the map is called Sutton Walls. Sutton Walls. And it looks huge. I've never spotted it before. But I wanted to find out as I go through the gates of the podcast. I wanted to find out a bit more about it and explore it and see what it feels like to be there. And um, and find out just, you know, it sits there, sort of quietly on the map. And I wanted to know what it's like to walk around it, what it's, um, maybe do some research and to find out a little bit more about who lived there, what happened there. And it turns out there are some stories, so as I get closer, I'll um, hopefully bring some of those in. Anyway, welcome to the podcast. I'm Fergus, I'm your host, and well, we're in a mid-season of sort of finding stories from the landscape, and as always, I adore nature, birdsong, any wildlife we find, so as I walk along a rather muddy, squelchy path, um, we'll see what turns up, and basically on a yeah, very narrow footpath, which looks well-walked. Special little dog walkers come down here. My boots are really sticking to the uh, and uh, and arable fields either side. Looks like a turnip field to my left. To my right, the hedge is too high for me to see over at the moment. But there's a few sort of calls of robins. The only birds that's really singing this time of year. And um, but everywhere is still very green. There's lots of fresh young nettles growing of docks um, but in the hedgerow nice big fat juicy looking hawberries of the hawthorn a bit of rain coming down now and ahead of me I can see a line of trees and I think that is the out, outer rampart or the trees are growing in the outer rampart of this hill fort this Sutton Walls and so yeah we'll see what see what See what's to be found there. It's rather exciting to be out. And everyone else is in the office working away. Uh, I've 
just driven through the gorgeous little town of Hereford, little city really, which has a fabulous cathedral, lots of old streets. Now I've come to hot, uh, ivy flowers. Now I think when I was editor of Country Farm magazine I had more letters about ivy and its bad qualities than almost anything else. I can smell as a sort of honeyish smell that comes from but the most amazing thing is talking of honey, there's honeybees all over this and wasps, hoverflies, little tiny flies. And I mean I've that sounds like a skylark above me somewhere. Yeah, so skylarks going over, two skylarks. There they go. Um, they are like little spiky balls, like those sort of ge geodesic domes, almost. Um, little green, I mean, they're, not, they're, they're very attractive architecturally, if not perhaps florally, but um, yeah. There's a sort of honeyish smell in the air. And I suspect that is the flowers, but just look. If you see some holly at the sun view, spend five minutes. I mean, it's raining, but it's covered in bees here. And there's pretty much no other flowers around at the moment. For, um, there's some slows here, though. It won't be long before I'm, before I'm on the edge of this hill fort. It's not a huge walk, parked in a little village, so that I wouldn't have such a big journey ahead. Uh, the sort of hills of the borders here, you can see um, over to another noisy gate, um, over to the west, and uh, there's very much uh, the countryside gets a little wilder as you get towards the border with Wales. And I think I can see the edge of the Black Mountains. rain coming down quite hard now so I'm quite looking forward to getting under the trees ahead and um, getting a bit of shelter. Yeah probably about a quarter of a mile to go to the um, to the, the hill fort. There's a tree here absolutely covered in mistletoe. A little flock of ducks, six ducks, I imagine they're mallards, in a tiny little V formation flying over the hill fort. So come with me. We'll storm this fortress together and uh, I'll let you know what, try and give you a bit of a sense of how it feels. Oh, huge flocks of goldfinches here. 40, 50 birds. You can hear them tinkling away. And there's it's nice to be surrounded by a bit of bird life. Well, quite a drab autumn day. I will also be looking out for fungi, which are a real blind spot for me. But having listened to last week's episode when I was interviewing Julia Donaldson, the children's author, we had great fun foraging chanterelles, which I've never foraged for before. Um, yes, I was rather envious that they were going to go back and have a fry up. There's a train. Hmm. That's the cry of a dog. So I'm not alone in the Sutton Hills Hill Fort. It's a lonely two carriage train. The Manchester to Cardiff line in the valley of the Lug the River Lug, a much abused river unfortunately. You can see a buzzard over to the right just beginning to take off. That's a good sign as well so if a buzzard thinks it's worth soaring it's going to get warmer and drier where pigeon bursts out above me. And loads of rose hips. Gorgeous. Oh it's that sort of crimson colour shiny, lovely lozenge shapes. They are just gorgeous, they're everywhere here. I have never cooked with them, but I know that during the Second World War they're a great source of vitamin C when 
other sources were impossible to come by. So uh, maybe rose hip syrup 2024. <laughs> Just some little tip block here and an angry blackbird. Underneath the willow tree again. Of great tits and blue tits, and a line of trees now. I saw woodland, and I think this woodland cloaks the, the hill fort. So just clambering over a stile, entering deep dark wood, and the smell of. Oh, there's a wren just piping up. So pause for breath. There's a little bit of a climb up here. So there's no signs. There's no information boards. Uh, however, as I take a right turn. Suddenly I can see huge ramparts. Calm, but trees growing out of them, ash trees, beech trees, hazels. And path cuts through, so on, on both sides there's great looming banks of earth which created the outer walls, the southern walls. Just listen to the silence of the wood here. I just stopped to listen to the rain actually coming through the trees. In fact, I recorded a few minutes of it, which you can hear as a sound escape um, in a couple of weeks' time. Introduced by Hannah, who's my podcast colleague. Um, and, well, it was very soothing. It's lovely just to stop for a moment. And just let the woods kind of tell their story. So you could hear a little bit of birdsong. There are wrens and robins mostly. All the um, migrant birds have long gone, or not long gone for some of them, but it's a very different place. Anyway, I'm on top of the ramparts now. I've followed a path and Hopefully I might get a little bit of a view. It's quite a big track that looks like cars or certainly tractors, Land Rovers could get down here. Absolutely loads of rose hips. It is, I mean, red with rose hips. Blood red. Uh, when do you're up here? So, um, yeah, really peaceful. on some fungi here. Not quite sure what they are. I think there's honey honey fungi. Don't know if they're edible or not, but nice to see. Uh, yeah, so this path is, feels like I'm on top of the fortress. And what, what, what do we know about this fortress? Mostly what we know is due to the work of an archaeologist called Kathleen Kenyon, later Dame Kathleen Kenyon, who did lots of excavations here in the late 1940s and early 50s. And, and she worked out pretty much that it's, it's originally an Iron Age settlement. So the Iron Age is the sort of four or five hundred years BC, up until when the Romans came, really, and pretty much after. I mean, it's all a bit blurry. And originally, this site didn't have any walls. I'm just looking at loads of little excavations in the ground, which are not archaeologists, but rabbits. And there are, I saw when I was sitting earlier, there was a, loads of flies over some holes in the ground and they were little dollops of scat, uh, definitely badgers. So they, they kind of create these little latrines which are markers for their territory, which um, I'm glad we, do, we all don't do that. But it's um, very much a sign, you know, good sign that there's a badger population here. Proper badger territory, all these lumps and bumps. Anyway, Kathleen Kenyon. Um, found that the original settlement, sort of two, three hundred years BC, 
uh, was uh, gosh, so many, so many excavations here. Oh, rabbits! These are ra- definitely rabbits. Yeah, rabbit droppings. I haven't seen any rabbits, but I've been quite noisy. Uh, rings of mushrooms everywhere. Really interesting. So autumnal. So yeah, oh, hold on. Now this is weird. Someone's made a ring of stones, like a face. How bizarre. I'm going to take a photo of this. A ring of strange stones, like a sun. Very paganistic totem here. And that initial fortress, well it wasn't a fortress, it was just a settlement. And they, they didn't have any walls or ramparts then. But obviously... The, the walls and ramparts were dug massive amounts of work. I mean, goodness me, I don't know how they did it. Uh, those sort of early people, they had you know, iron tools, obviously, and they also had sort of deer antler pickaxes. And they, they managed to build these... I mean, this is a vast area. It's a huge lozenge-shaped, sort of wedge-shaped... Um, it's not a circular hill fort, it's kind of quite jaggedy, following the contours of this strange little hill. You hear lots of peeping in the bushes here. Um, there's ragwort here as well, like bright yellow flowers. Uh, so, uh, what have we got here? Tree creepers. And just hmm. anyway, they 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 built their walls and don't know whether you know they were built to keep the Romans out. The Romans arrived in the sort of first century BC. Loads of chaffinches now. And suddenly, I'm at the. I'm finding it very hard to navigate my way around. Suddenly, there's no rampart, and I'm at the edge of a field. But am I still within the, in the fortress? I need to have a look on a map. I do have a map. Fortunately, the OS map. Yeah, these are these are chaffinches. Just. I don't have my. There's a huge field in the middle. A huge kind of ploughed field. I'm going to sort of walk around the edge of it, see where I come to. It's actually enormous, this this fortress. Yeah. So, um, so Kathleen Kenyon did a lot of excavating and a lot of her amazing finds are in the Hereford Museum. Uh, Yeah, okay, yes, I'm, I'm on the edge of a rampart here, on the sort of... Yeah, this is interesting. So I'm on this sort of northern, it runs sort of north-south, I suppose, this fortress. One thing Kathleen did find, yeah, lots of great tits now, chaffinches, maybe some bullfinches here. It's funny, it's like, without hearing their songs, it's so much harder to, oh, there's black cap. So there are some migrants, although black caps are in, Staying, staying through the winter so that our winters get warmer so uh, and, and it would have been a very prominent landmark it wouldn't have had all these trees bef- uh, in the in, it would have been completely sort of bare with a wooden palisade around circular wattle absorb huts and quite advanced I mean I think she found an anvil here that showed that there was quite advanced metal working and some really interesting jewellery and, and, and pots and things like that so it wasn't a very. It wasn't a backward. Uh, but of course, there's no written records of what those people were like and what they did. There's pathways down. But they're so overgrown. I'm going to just go around the edge of this field. Big flock of wood pigeons up ahead, just taking off. Quite. It's quite a heavily farmed field. But this is probably where all the people lived. I'm just going to do a circuit of it and then go back into the sort of wooded southern end of the fortress in a bit. Um, however, the really major find that Kathleen Kenyon, or the really sort of, I suppose, the, the creepy thing, the weird, was that she found a whole load of skeletons that were buried in, together in one portion of the ramparts at the base. I'm not entirely sure which part of the ramparts. But uh, if I get a, f- a weird feeling in any place, then maybe that's it. Um, and so she, and they'd all been, they all had evidence of wounds or be- being beheaded, 
so they've been a victim of you know, perhaps prisoners killed after a battle. So that's that's an interesting little story. Um, but there's a there's a bigger myth associated with this place, which tie which could tie into what Kathleen Kenyon found, uh, which I was reading on a really interesting website called suttonwalls.co.uk. Really worth having a look if you're interested in coming to see this site after hearing me rambling around it. Um, it is sort of a leg- the legendary site of the palace of King Offa, who was a Saxon king of Mercia in the 8th century. So he was an incredibly long-lived king, or he certainly reigned for a very long time in, for, for that period. Something like 757 to 796, so that's getting on for nearly 40 years, which is an immensely long time to be a, a monarch in the such turbulent times. He's also a very powerful king of Mercia, Mercia because he built what's known as Offa's Dyke recently. That's attributed to him. A great linear earthwork between sort of Mercia, England and Wales. Sort of. That's how it works. And you can do a long distance walk along it these days. Beautiful purple thistles here. Um, and I mean, he was immensely powerful. Uh, there are coins with his face on it. There are, uh, you know, lots of chronicles about King Arthur. Lot, quite a lot is known. That's a lovely robin. Um, it's talking of long-lived monarchs. There's something called Old Man's Beard tumbling off the hedgerow here, which is a native clematis, which has a funny little star-like white flower in spring and summer. But by now, it's it that all kind of explodes into this sort of hairiness. So it looks like a kind of spidery web, beardy thing. Old man's beard, traveller's joy. Oh, it's got lots of nice names. And that's, there's loads of that here. It's King Offa. Uh, he, and the myth, there's a big story. So he had his, did he have his palace here? I don't think there's any clear evidence. However, uh, legend has it that he did. And the dark story attributed to it is that there were lots of other kings uh, of various different kingdoms within the sort of island of Britain or you know, what was considered England, what's considered Britain today. And King Ethelbert of East Anglia, a bachelor, had, well, to create an alliance, they'd started negotiations to, for him to marry Offa's daughter, who I think is called Alfreda. And so King Ethelbert had to travel. Listen to all these birds here. Robins and it's just the hedgerows are alive with oh, there's long tailed tits flitting over little blue tits, great tits. Yeah, Ethelbert's. So they agreed. Come and marry Alfredo. We'll have a, we'll have a, a union between these two powerful kingdoms, Mercia and East Anglia. So he set out on this journey across to the palace, across England. Difficult. And I think he had all sorts of all sorts of mishaps befell Ethelbert along the way, but he made it. And arrived for the wedding with his courtiers, you know, his 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 home, you know, his his sort of house carls or whatever they're called, and various other important people from his kingdom. Meanwhile, meanwhile, uh, uh, Offa's wife, whose name I've slightly forgotten, I think it's kind of Freda, kind of Frith, I will correct that. Um, there's a greenfinch here. That's rather lovely. There we go. Wheezing greenfinch, a bit like me wheezing away. Um, and there's some bullfinches. There's a lot of finches. That's about four, four or five finch species we've had. Uh, it's a really lovely place just to kind of enjoy the um, enjoy autumn bird life. Uh, song thrushes. There just seems to be so much food amongst these hedges. Anyway, get back to the story, Fergus. Off his wife sort of started saying, well, look, Eth- Ethelbert's got designs on Mercia really he's a rival, not someone we should be 
making an alliance with he'll turn on us and he'll oust us and so in time-honored fashion a bit like game of thrones the wedding or sort of the night before or a couple of days before the wedding offer and his men suddenly seize and imprison Ethelbert and his cohorts and his 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 um, supporters and they murder them and Ethelbert is beheaded his body is thrown into a well it's thrown on in pretty much not quite into the river lug but nearby the rain's really coming down now as I tell this dark story and he uh, basically offer well made an offer <laughs> and didn't uh, 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 and then he offered his head. Uh, that, that's a, a, a pretty brutal. That was the end of that. And so, are those skeletons that Kathleen Kenyon found the courtiers, the 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 part, the, the, the people of um, East Anglia, murdered by Offer and his men? I haven't found any clear evidence. I mean, it, it's more likely they're probably date from when the Romans might have attacked this place and captured it and killed a load of people, buried them. We don't we don't know, I don't know. But I'm I'm after this I before we when I go to the studio I'll do a little bit more digging around. Not not literally. Kathleen Kenny can do that. But the aftermath is that like so many of these stories, a, a miracle happened where Ethelbert's body was thrown and a spring of clear, pure water sprang up. And he was later canonised, so he became Saint Ethelbert of East Anglia. And I think there's some memorials in Hereford Cathedral. Uh, and, and Offer was incredibly, felt incredibly guilty, remorseful, did his penance, went to Rome, I think, even, which is incredible. And you think you know, travelling, getting to Rome these days is hard enough. Um, so he, he did his penance and erected shrines and you know, created this cult of King Ethelbert. Uh, so there's a dark story attached to this place, uh, which is, as I tell it, and I'm on my own in the dark woods, I sort of wonder whether the restless spirits of murdered people might sort of be listening and might be, you know, be interesting to hear their, hear their side of it. And whether it's true, and whether even there was a palace of offer here, and whether these foul deeds were done. I'm going to go, it's raining so hard, I'm going to go back into the, um, back into the trees and follow the ramparts around the base of them. Maybe I'll come to where the, um, the bodies were found. Uh, Okay, I found a path which looks a bit more worn, perhaps dog walkers follow this path. And I'm at the base of really high ramparts now. And again, I just think about the amount of labour that went into creating. Yeah. I think about my daily workload sometimes. Sit at a laptop, uh, hold a few meetings, uh, perhaps sometimes panic about this, that, and the other the finances, the staff issues, whatever it is. But I mean, it is four times my height, and I'm. 5'11", let's say. <laughs> uh, so that's a really... Oh, there's a badger set here. I can see the earthworks, and it looks quite fresh. So that, that'll be... That'll be a little badger kingdom now. Palace of the Badgers. Uh, yeah. Hard rain is going to fall now. Um, yeah, just the immense amount of labour. But... I guess the payoff was that you had somewhere secure in a very insecure times where really it was the strongest, those with the sharpest swords and the strongest arms uh, could, could seize your property, your whatever it is that, you know, it might be seize slaves for, for, for labour, certainly seize cattle, seize any stored food and grain. I think what I, because it's funny seeing that field back there within the ramparts. Uh, from, again, from the archaeological evidence, it sounds like they certainly grew 
wheat within the within the um, within the rampart. So they were pretty self-sufficient. I don't know what they did for water. Maybe just rain. Now, when I was looking on the website about the southernwalls.co.uk website, there was a lot of talk about how degraded this site is. So that, as I said, there's no, no signs to it. There's no information boards. It's clearly um, not managed anyway. I mean, the wildlife seems to thrive quite happily, but um, but archaeologically and you know, historically, it's difficult to see what this place is. Um, and then, apparently, it was in the 1940s. The middle of it was quarried out and used for landfill or something. Just extraordinary. I'm going to climb over a tree that's fallen, but not too badly over the path. Just following the line of the ramparts around. Some crows storming the battlements. Which is quite easy for them, because they can fly over the top. But then there's concerns that it's just being eroded and... Uh, yeah, a bit of a, a... bit of a sad tale. And I'm not sure how I feel about it, really, because... I do sometimes wonder whether, you know, we've got a lot, lot, a lot of people need to fit onto a very small island and we do preserve a lot of land for things like nostalgia, history, more robins, gosh I'm getting really wet because I'm having to wade through undergrowth here uh, which is dripping, so cold water pouring down my legs now. Um, things I do for plod. It's, it's, it's like, this is quite a wild natural site. Maybe it could be managed, coppiced for wildlife a bit better, but I don't know who owns the site. I think it's privately owned, hence the farmed fields in the middle of it. And maybe looking after the site isn't their priority. So it's hard to say. And I, I sort of wonder about how much of the countryside is sort of fenced off or lost because it's got to be preserved for heritage history or golf courses. <laughs> uh, lovely hazel coppices here along the edge of the... Now I'm, I'm sort of now on the Hereford side. You can hear a road. It's almost like a plane overhead. So suddenly I kind of feel like I've come from the Iron Age or the Dark Ages of King Offa into the 21st century again and the spirits have retreated back into the into the, um, into the mounds, into the ramparts so it's funny to think this quiet forgotten place was once a bustling village, town really of those times and that if the offer story is right or there's some truth in it then these ramparts really do hold some dark tales and we'll have seen some parties too. It was a palace. They knew how to have fun. They lived short, well apart from Offa, they lived relatively short, difficult lives. So when they had the chance to eat, drink and be merry, they really did because they knew that, you did, well they just didn't know what the next year would hold. Everything was in the lap of gods or god, luck, weather, how how aggressive your neighbours were so um, so there would have been merry times but of course merry times don't make for brilliant stories it's always the grim tales and the ones that have lessons to be learned or the ones that lead us to making someone a saint like Ethelbert are the ones that get sort of saved for posterity retold around the fires, retold in the taverns, and then occasionally written down. I've, I've done a whole circuit of the ramparts, and I feel like it's even more secretive than... So I'm going to potter my... wend my 
way back to the car but I'm going to do a bit of research when I get home see if any of my local history books or I mean the online resources are so fantastic see what else I can excavate and whether there's any more but do come and visit you know you get a chance to walk here and then luxuriate in the wonderful city of, of Hereford but what here what if it's just mysterious strange a place just forgotten in a forgotten corner of a forgotten county where only birds and badgers rule eBay Motors is here for the ride with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly brake kits, LED headlights bumpers, whatever your baby needs eBay Motors has it and with eBay Guaranteed Fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With milder weather and longer days on the way, now is the time to dust off your hiking boots and enjoy the great British countryside. And wherever you go, whatever the terrain, Regatta Great Outdoors has the right footwear for any adventure. From grassy hills to rocky trails and even paved footpaths, there's a regatta shoe to suit your walking preferences. Discover lightweight trainers for day-to-day -day wear or walking shoes for multi-day hikes like the brand new Samaris 3. Combining comfort with performance, the Samaras 3 is available as a shoe and boot for both men and women and is ideal for all your hiking pursuits. Tech Foam InSock technology supports your foot, while an EVA midsole and shock-absorbing heel protects you from bumps along the way. Plus, it's waterproof and breathable, so your feet stay dry no matter the weather. Available to shop in stores nationwide and at regatta.com. So that was my mini-adventure into a very strange place. And... It was only sort of half the story, so I thought, well, I've got the rest of the day to myself. I will head into Hereford, which is only about four miles away from this hill fort, but it could be 100 miles away in terms of sort of going from the ancient times into suddenly a little bustling city. I made my way there, parked the car, hunted down the museum and thought, great, I've got plenty of time. Arrived at the museum, guess what? they were removing all the exhibits into the street thing. Well, I don't oh, know what wow. was going on. They were refitting it anyway. So, a bit disappointing. However, never disappointing. Jack and Hannah, who helped me make the podcast. I'm sorry I'm not in the studio with you, but lovely to see you both. How see? are you? Nice to see you too. I wish you'd been there with me because it was a really mysterious place. It was just lovely to get away from sort of office life and suddenly be transported back into... A very, uh, uh, well, it was quiet. No one around, just the sort of hidden hints of lost peoples. It did sound extremely eerie. It was. Especially strange. when it started to rain. Yeah, yeah, I felt, I felt quite alone there. So I thought I would dig around and try and find out more about this story about Offa. But I, my research didn't, sort of didn't get very far. So I, mean, I did find out that Offa's wife, I think, this is how you pronounce it, is Kainafrith, but I could easily be corrected. It sounds like, I mean, it's a good name. I think it should be brought back. We haven't had hmm. enough of those kind of for us in our lives. We had lots of Edgars and, Egg and Ethelberts and uh, that sort of thing. I've, I've, there's a few people giving uh, Cedrics, I've seen, sort of Saxon names, but um, I think we could do with more of those. So yeah, so I have, I'm, I'm, look, I've, listeners out there, if you know any more about this story or anything about Sutton Walls, please do get in touch because I know Jack is desperate to hear more. I want to hear more. You want to hear more. I want to get to the, the end of this story. I want to work <laughs> it all out. Well, have you have you got an ancient site that, near you that you go walking in and exploring? Jack, you look like you might have a hill fort up your sleeve. <laughs> I do. I have an Iron Age one out my sleeve. Which one's that uh, one then? It's by Old Sobbury. Ah, yes, uh, I know. And it's it. part of the, it's, I think the Cotswold Way goes through it or around it, right on the top of a hill. It's just one of those weird sort of green 
moundy circles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They are weird. They are weird. I think it's just the fact that there's so much. It looks like it's such hard work creating them, almost like giants created them. It seems like even today, I think we'd struggle to build something like a hill fort even with all our sort of diggers and bulldozers and things like that. I think we'd still struggle. They're also accurate as well. It's not like they're really wavy where they can quite get level off the tops of them. They're, they're, they seem weirdly, oh, I, don't, I don't know what the word is, but just weirdly neat. <laughs> Well-engineered, well yeah. Well, yeah. favourite, um, yeah, well, contact us. Well, I'd love to hear more about your Hillfault stories. Plus, if you can shed any light on murders at Sutton Walls, contact all of us. Editor at countryfile.com is the email address. That's editor at countryfile.com. And please do leave your address because... Our very favourite emails of the week get a prize. But we'll come back to that in a bit because we've got quite a few listener messages to get through. But first, before we get to reader email, uh, that's what I've been up to. I've been exploring Hillfort. That's my sightings and happenings of the week. How about you guys? Anything? Have you been out? Have you been out? I know before we went on air, you were saying how busy you are. Have you managed to escape the office and get out into the wider world to see anything of this gorgeous autumn? One autumn thing I have been particularly enjoying is the sound of migrating redwing. That for me is the absolute yeah, no, yeah, it's happening. Oh my <laughs> goodness! Wowzers! <laughs> yeah, that's really early, but that doesn't. Damn, amazing. Were they at night or during the day or early morning and during the night? Yeah, so very thin, kind of high pitched peep on its own in the night. Can you do it? Because you did some really good hours last week. <laughs> No, I can't. <laughs> like that? Is that it? Oh, yeah, that's perfect. Sp. Yeah. So, um, oh, so you've had red wings flying over mm-hmm. Bristol. That's that's amazing because red wings. Well, you know more about red wings. What are what are they for those who don't know? Uh, they are a member of the uh, thrush family, and they look a little bit like um, song thrushes, except for they have a kind of um, mask across their eyes. And a big red spot on their wings. I was going to say, what colour are the wings? <laughs> <laughs> Beautifully described. Um, and they come come for the sort of autumn and winter. And that's yeah, from Scandinavia. Yeah, and that's amazing. That's, that's kind of like the movements of birds. We've lost all our summer migrants, and suddenly these autumn ones are ready, ready replacing them. Jack, how about you? Anything, or have you just been locked in the cellar of the of the podcast? I broke out. You did! Hooray! I'm so pleased. For I you. did. I broke out and I took a trip to Stourhead with Ooh. my grandparents. Yes. Stourhead, one of the great, great country houses and gardens in Britain. National Trust, isn't it? It is indeed. I will. I mean, by the time this comes out, you can probably still get it. National Trust have uh, given out. You can get a um, free pass in, to use into the 20th of October um, as they're sort of like autumn, go and see your places. That's um, wonderful. So we, we took advantage of that and popped along. Grand and granddad are members anyway, so they were straight in. I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful place if you haven't been there. It's, it's really nice. And I think especially in the next couple of coming weeks when the trees start to turn into the, the ambers and golds, it's going to look beautiful. The, the, weather, the weather was horribly beautiful <laughs> because it <laughs> was, yeah, it was so yeah. lovely, sunny, warm, like there's points you down to your T-shirt Really nice, really sunny. It was beautiful. The The lake was so calm. But it's October. Mm, yeah. yeah. And it, that felt very weird, especially when you're walking past a little hut that's selling hot chocolate and hot spiced apple. Yeah. And you go, that's literally the last thing I want right now because I'm pretty warm. I just, it it was weird. It was not, it was such a lovely day. I really enjoyed it. But I also just came home being a bit like, I shouldn't have enjoyed it. <laughs> I, I should have been wet or cold or miserable. Because it's October, it's, yeah, it's it does autumn. Feel really wrong. It's weird. Yeah, <laughs> that is. It has been a bit weird. I mean, it has been utterly beautiful. I managed to get out for a few walks this weekend. But yes, there's something about. That's why I'm in a t-shirt here. It's it's like it's just incredibly warm. It's like 25, almost 25 degrees here in late October. Wow. Oh my goodness, that never happens. And that's my my it's my birthday. It never it's never hot on my birthday. It's just over two months till Christmas, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah it's <laughs> hot. <laughs> but anyway, it's a beautiful place and it is quite amazing. Lakes, temples, beautiful trees and mass oh, it's a heaven a heavenly place. Oh, it's, it's an absolutely incredible place. I re- really recommend it. 
especially Beautiful. if it's free at the moment. Yeah, get in, get in there. Even if even if it's not free, yeah, still go along. Also true. It's, probably it's worth the money. Definitely worth the money. So that's what we've been up to. A very bag of adventures. Do let us know what you've been up to. Any exciting things in the in, in the countryside? We always love to hear your stories. Well, talking of getting in touch, we've had lots of messages, and it's high time we read a few of them because they're, they're, they're terrific. I have this lovely one. Um, it's a lovely message sent to me by regular listener Amanda Hughes Horan. She's responding to another listener's email to us. Um, that was Martin Adamchik who was in Canada and sent us a whole load of lovely recordings, one of which was something he called a ping-ping bird. And you can hear that in episode 214, just a couple of episodes ago. And Amanda knows what the bird is. So she said, that audio postcard, I think, was a blue jay. It always sounds like a harsh bell. A blue jay. That's cool. Thank you, Amanda. Yeah, nice nice to get an ID on that. And she'll say a very nice thing about it. She said, lovely to hear your son on the podcast, Fergus. More of him, please. Hmm. I wonder if that was... I agree. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Um, So thank you, Amanda. Good correction. And also, Jack, you'll be interested. There's a really lovely email from Lee Alder responding to a a podcast that you and Brit, another podcast regular, did. Do you remember you were talking about swallows? I do remember. I think this was the episode when... It was down to just me and Brit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We were all ill. <laughs> and yeah, I think we were, we were talking quite a lot about... It was a very bird-heavy episode. And um, we had a recording. And we, I think we asked a question out. And, and Lee's come in to answer that question for us. He's written to say, You played the recording of the swallow that Annabelle had sent in, and you were wondering if the swallow was making the clicking noises. And how could birds actually do that? As in, make two different sounds. Uh, It was the swallow that was making a clicking sound, and birds are able to make two sounds at the same time. Incredible, already. How? Tell me how. Well, Lee has indulged us. Birds have two separate flaps of skin at the bottom of their windpipe that they're able to open and close either simultaneously or independently of each other. This means that they can produce two sounds at once. One of the best birds to hear doing this are starlings, because they produce lots of clicks and whistles, etc., I hope this gives you the answer that you were hoping to hear, kind of regards Lee. Oh, I mean, that, that is the answer I wanted to hear, and it blown my mind. <laughs> it's mind-boggling. I did not know I, that. I didn't, I, when I heard that they could do both sounds, I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. But when they could do it at the same time... That's amazing. Crazy. I think that's, that's fascinating. I, I knew that they have, uh, like, a, it's like their, their kind of voice box is in, deep in their throat. But I didn't know they had different flaps of skin so they could produce two sounds at once. But I suppose that explains why they can make that incredibly complex. Nice one. Thank you, Lee. Hannah, I've got there's one for you actually here. It's from Mark Thacker. And I think this is a, this is a very interesting little email. It sort of very fits, to me, this one fits with our theme this month of sort of slightly creepy places, slightly spooky experiences. Hi, Fergus. I wasn't going to send this in because I missed the best of it, but having listened to podcast 213, where you talked about exploring the mysterious side of the countryside, I thought I would. Imagine the scene. I was standing in a wood just after sunset in an overcast, windy eve as the gloaming was rising. I had just culled a pricket, a young male fallow, as part of the woodland management plan necessary to protect the regeneration of ancient woodland. A necessary task, but not without a twinge of guilt at taking a life, so I paused for a moment, listening to the wood settle after my rude disturbance. And then the ravens started coming into roost, with an attendant chorus of crows and rooks. The ravens, five of them, rolled and dried in the air as they swirled around my head, calling their cronks in sad joy, delighting in the playful wind. I only thought about trying to record it when it was nearly over, and some of the more distant calls are masked by the panting of my dog, but I hope you get some of the atmosphere. It was certainly one of the thin moments that make working in the countryside so magical. This all happened less than half an hour from London. It's amazing how the Raven population has recovered over my lifetime. Best regards. Brilliant. Um, let's, well, let's listen to it. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> Yeah, evocative. Feels like the sort of sound of, definitely the sound of autumn, roosting crows and rooks and ravens. Lovely. Also, I thought it was a very poetic 
email, beautifully read, Hannah, but just very, very poetically written and uh, sort of atmospheric. Clearly, a lot to unravel there. Mark is obviously employed to cull deer, and that's a subject that our dear friend Kev, Kevin Parr, has been looking into. He's been out with someone who's been culling deer in Dorset, so we're going to explore that. Lots of interesting points of view there. And Mark talked about thin moments, so I kind of that. I wonder if that's like thin places, places where worlds kind of the other world comes closer to ours. I don't know. It's an interesting expression. But Mark, that's a really terrific, terrific sound and a lovely email and very much worthy of our sound and email of the week. So we have for you, we've got several copies of it. Uh, last last week, you'll have heard me inter- interviewing children's author Julia Donaldson. I have a signed copy of her book, The Oak Tree, to send out to you. And we've got a couple more copies. So please do send in your emails and your sounds and you too could get a copy of, of Julia's book. Thank you both. Lovely readings. Good to hear from so many listeners and we've got lots more to share next week. I do have something to share with you. It's a countryside joke. We haven't had a countryside joke for oh, a while. Oh, no. gosh. Really? Okay. So envisage a picnic, okay, with a fire and a frying pan on the fire. Is this part of the joke? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. So you don't need to laugh. Right. I don't Let know. him do the build-up. No, up. I was just trying to see whether or not he's trying to put us in a good mood before. Okay, no. okay, okay. <laughs> we need complete silence. Ready for the sorry. silence sorry. after the joke. No, 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 yeah. no. There should not be silence. So two sausages in a frying pan <laughs> and one sausage says to the other, it's getting, it's getting a bit hot in here. Shouldn't we have a... Sh- uh, sh- uh, should we get? An, should we have an escape plan? And the other sausage says, "Oh, a talking sausage." <laughs> I knew what the punchline was going to be, but your delivery was Spot more on. funnier. Just beautifully done. <laughs> Especially as you went. Here's a countryside joke: there's two sausages in a pan. <laughs> well, it's like stretching the countryside element there, but that's why I said envisage a picnic. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess. There must be better countryside jokes out there. I'm um, sure there are. Well, th- thanks for the votes of confidence <laughs> in the studio. I, I know there'll be at least one person out there who might have enjoyed that. But if you do have any better countryside jokes, we would love to hear them <laughs> again. <Please. laughs> I have another one for next week if no one sends in a better one. So there's a threat. Again, email all of us, editor at countryfile.com. Now, I do notice that neither of you have dared tell a countryside joke so there's also a challenge to you hannah and jack to come up with come up with a funny joke before the end of this series and if not i've got loads excellent excellent good should we wait till next week then definitely um listen lovely to see you both thanks for joining me again and thank you everyone out there for for listening in see you again next week bye-bye Whether it's gloriously sunny or a spring downpour, you can always get outdoors with Regatta. So what are you waiting for? Find a route, grab your walking shoes and start exploring. Regatta Great Outdoors offers all types of performance footwear, from technical hiking boots for regular ramblers to durable walking shoes for the whole family. With waterproof and breathable qualities, shock-absorbing comfort and superior grip, Regatta footwear is designed to withstand whatever challenges Mother Nature throws your way. Discover the range in stores nationwide and at regatta.com.